Good morning. Happy Good morning. Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> you know, some Chiefs and the Niners. We could say who's for who, but uh, uh, a lot of us probably remember back when the 49ers were in the Super Bowl a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah. Like Montana and Young, yeah. those guys the quarterback. And uh, who can remember the last time the Chiefs were in a Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I, have, I figured we'd, we'd have uh, um, Mr. Hackett back there tell us. Yeah, he remembers. It's been a while. So I don't know who you're pulling for, but uh, hey, okay. I'd I, I like to see a competitive game go down the last seconds today. Much on Doritos. Hey, come on. <laughs> so today we continue our study series on the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, we are studying that on Sundays and midweeks. Unfortunately, we can't cover every topic in, in, in the book of Mark uh, on, on a Sunday uh, preaching series. But we want to cover some of the, the ones I think are, are essential for us uh, today. Uh, Dan did a great job putting together a, an outline before things started. I'm passing out now a, uh, an outline of the sermon today. And if you'll take that, if you want to take some notes along with this and, 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 and write some things in, that'd be great. There's some uh, things you might want to continue looking at from a personal study given the next few days. There's some other things I want to throw in there for a personal study as well as, as the, uh, the Bible study uh, continues on. So this idea today that our world, this universe we're in, is screaming to a conclusive end. Something's happened. I, I love some of the new theories of, of why the, the Earth is accelerating with a greater acceleration uh, as, as time goes by, which is crazy. The idea of a Big Bang, you think, some, when that blows up, it's going to slow back down, right? Right. But we have the universe that, that is expanding and accelerating in its expansion. Huh. That's crazy. Dark matter, dark energy. What's causing that? It's a crazy idea that is even happening. But it's screaming to a conclusive end. It came out into a glorious beginning, but it's, it's something's going to happen here, yeah. spiritually and physically. You, the Romans 8, 18 through 25 is a great scripture about how our universe, our, our, our create, the creation is groaning the expectation of what's going to happen. Uh, that's some references for your personal study. We're going from chaos to order, loneliness to fulfillment, death to life, turmoil to rest, a Sabbath's rest, God's rest. That's what we're talking about today is what is a Sabbath? A Jewish Sabbath? A Christian Sabbath? A Sabbath's rest? God's rest? What is all that? If you look at me in Mark chapter 2, book of Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 2, in verse 23. I'm going to read the text for today. It says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as the disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to them, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You know, harvesting, supposedly. Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which is, unlawful, which is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's the only place in the Gospels that that is said where the Sabbath is made for the man. Another time, he went to the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Because that would be work on the Sabbath. You can't do that, even if it's healing somebody. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. 
It began to have to fulfill Jesus. This idea of having a, a stubborn heart, I don't want to have that. I hope you don't either. And I hope our, our exposure to God's word, even being part of, of religious groups, doesn't harden our hearts of, well, I've got the truth now, so don't try to tell me anything different. There's nothing more for you to learn. I hope we never get to that place. I hope I don't get to that place where I have a stubborn heart that I know what I'm doing. I fulfilled what I'm supposed to do with God. We're continually led to a closer walk with God. He wants us in a deeper, abiding relationship with him. Amen. So this idea of the Sabbath, what, what is that all about? Well, I have a, a, a slide here. Here's some questions about the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Um, why did God institute the Sabbath? I like to ask why questions a lot. So what is the Sabbath for a Christian, and what is the Sabbath's rest? This idea, um, I, I need to explain a little bit, is as, as we've read in Mark chapter 2 here, about what God wants. There's a story that goes along with this. And before we get to this first point about what God wants. Um, in ninth grade, in my English class, we were having a, a test in, in English grammar. And it's about nouns, pronouns, uh, you know, adjectives, adverbs, and identifying them, etc. And I missed one class. I don't remember what it was. I, I was sick, or our family's out of town, or something. And in that class, uh, she had said something. The teacher had said something about adverbs. So I got to, to, to the test, and I, I got them all right except one. And, and this was the days when I was really focused on being a real good student. I missed one. I thought, how come I didn't know that was an adverb? I think I put down an adjective. And I was talking to another student in my class, and he said. Yeah, that, that day you missed, uh, she had said that uh, if you don't know what it is between an adjective and adverb, choose adverb because that's what it probably is. You don't know what, what it is. <laughs> and I missed that class, so I didn't know that. So I put down adjective, and it was an adverb. And he got it right, and got 100. Like, oh, I missed that. Well, there was that secret he knew about how to apply to the test. The secret I've given you about the Bible today. And I think this one really works in incredible ways. Is that we start realizing what God wants, and that is a relationship with me and you. We start looking at the Bible through the view of a loving dad who wants a relationship with me. We start answering a lot of questions, why? Like, why is there a Sabbath? Why does God allow evil to exist? Well, all the evil that's done to one another, even per, per, uh, given evil expressed to animals and, 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 and many things in life. Why would, we, would God allow that? There is an answer for that. It all gets back to the idea of love and a relationship with him. So many <coughs> difficult biblical doctrines can be understood so much more through the eyes that God loves us and he wants this relationship with us. Yeah. I'll show you that here in just a minute as we go through the idea of the Sabbath. So what does God want? <coughs> he wants a relationship with us. Before I move on from the, what we read in Mark 2, the uh, high priest, Abathar, that you, that's, a, that's a reference in 1 Samuel 21, 2-7. That's there on the uh, handout we gave you. He was a fourth in line after Eli of, of high priest, last line of Eli and his family. You could have a personal study of why that would end. Why would Eli's family come to an end of, of being high priests? You can, you can have that study as well. It goes back to Eli and his sons. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you figure that all out uh, as well. But that story, I didn't, I didn't have the secret. I didn't have the understanding. I want to give that today. It's perhaps even a bigger lesson than even, dare I say, a lesson about the Sabbath. This topic has divided Christians for centuries. The difference between the Jewish Sabbath and the Sabbath we practice today. People try to hold on to the idea that it's a 24-hour segment of time. You must do this, this, and this during this time. From sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And if you don't, then people have formed their own denominations in the splitting of this. 
And as we look at the scriptures, it's pretty clear this was not the intent at all. So many times God is trying to get us to leave a religion and begin a relationship. The things he's asked us to do that we turn into religion were done to help us in a relationship, not to create a religion where you just go do these things and that fulfills your obligation. But a lot of us get stuck in the idea of a religion, don't we? Just the idea of, of communicating with God, Bible study and prayer. Many of us can turn that into, well, I, I studied the Bible 30 minutes, I prayed 30 minutes, so I, I'm good today. Again, that whole idea is I'm talking to my father. I'm listening to him. I'm talking back in a relationship with him. So much of what God is trying to communicate is I want this relationship with you no matter where you've been. That's why a couple weeks ago we had that study in Mark 1 how Jesus, God said Jesus loved him and was pleased with him even before he had done anything. Even before he had built prophecies, before he preached, before he died on the cross, before he performed a miracle, God says I'm well pleased. God is well pleased with us simply because we exist as his son or daughter. Well, I'm not living much like that. He still loves you and wants you with him. We have to get to that place because you and I experience everything in life. There's a metric to it. There's, there's a scale. There's a grade. There's a number. Maybe you're in a job where your, your performance is, is measured by a lot of numbers, how many widgets you sell, or how many uh, phone calls you can keep on the line after a certain amount of time. School. I grew up with a, with a father that he was pleased when I accomplished these things. So transitioning over from that to Christianity, where I have a father who was already pleased with me, that, that was hard to come to that place. Probably a lot of you understand what I'm talking about. I feel that. But this idea that God wants us. What does he want? He wants us. He wants me. This next slide here. Uh, Mark 12. The love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this. Love your neighbor yourself. This, there's no connect greater than this. You guys have been to church here for a while, but any period of time of a few months over, you know I, I, I reference this a lot. First, the greatest commandment, and, as well as the second. That we're here to love God back and love others. God's trying to build a family. He's trying to, what, does he just want to control me and have me understand and make me love him? Because he loves you with everything he has. He wants you to love him back. I said, guys, I want a family. I want to be dad. I want you to be the children that love each other. Just like any parent here, how do you want your kids to act each other? <laughs> and when they don't act that way, they're fighting and arguing among them. You know what that's like. Especially they do when you're going in the car on a trip somewhere. That, that gets, boy, you know, I see Sam back here. I know she's getting ready to start a family. She and Jason are about to have their first. And I, I looked back during the song, and she was kind of rubbing her belly, going, oh, is it time? Well, let's pull the, the go-to truck around. Let's, put, let's get around with it. <laughs> We're eagerly anticipating the, the, the arrival here of uh, the, the new pulpit. If you would, go me over to Genesis chapter 3. You would uh, look at verse 8 with me. This should be actually right before the Genesis 3.17, but I, I should need to make a better image. This is the man, his wife, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. It goes on from there. I love this scripture. It's a bit of an understatement, this idea that in the cool of the day of the Garden of Eden, 
God would come and walk with his children and be with them. The frequency doesn't tell us, but it certainly sounds like it was done often until finally they hid from him because of what they had done. But God had this intimate bond with them. One of the childhood memories I have is is going on walks with my parents. And one time going on a walk with my dad. He, he didn't have those, those type of father-son connecting things. So when things like that did happen a lot, I remember them. And I remember this one time, I, I believe my mom was out of town. I went on this walk with my dad. And I even remember some of the things he said from that walk. This, this is like 40 years ago. Here, God, we walk with his children daily in the cool of the day. Something that you look, for, look forward to on a, on a daily basis. Things you would remember, things that were said, the intimate bond that God wants with me and you, this community or family he wants with us. Of course, sin messed up this whole idea of the, the Gardenic approach to this relationship. And uh, for reference here, I, I need to get you dropped down to verse 17. After the uh, eating of the apple, so to say, the sin of the garden, things changed. And Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. But it says in verse 17, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you, return, until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for the dust you were um, and from dust, dust you will return. You know, from this point on, as man exits the garden, we are to survive by the sweat of our brow, by working. So we are no longer available to simply eat of the grain in the, in the garden, the apples of the tree. Kind of reminiscent of Mark 2, I read that the disciples were, were hungry. And they just grabbed some grain and ate it. Anyway, there's a parallel starting there. But anyway, here they are in the garden, but not being asked to leave. And the only way they can survive is the food's not going to simply be supplied now. You need to work. We even know a Paul reference to that. You shall not work, you shall not eat food. We understand that in life, don't we? Even for the college students here, finish their degrees. What's the purpose of having a degree? Oh, so I can spend mom's money? <laughs> Mom, dad's money? <laughs> the idea is that I get a degree so I can what? what? Have a career. Oh. Now, with that focus now, and you have agrarian societies of the past, when you talk about work, we're not talking about eight-hour days with a lunch break and a break before that, a break after lunch, and all the OSHA you know, laws. We're talking about sun up to sundown. That's why in Jerusalem, uh, when, when Jesus would teach from the temples, when did he teach? Yeah, dawn. Because people were on their way to work and they could stop for a few minutes and listen to what he was saying as people were scurrying off to work. And John 8, with a woman caught in adultery, is a great example of that. He taught at dawn right there in Jerusalem in the temple as people were headed to work. So what did God do? And I just kind of get ahead of myself here a little bit to uh, this idea of having time with the children as he used to have in the garden, even though sin had now caused a problem, how can he still have that time? What do some of us do to make sure we have family time, even though we're busy? In our society today, most of the time, the, the wife and the husband have to work. 
So a lot of families do, even at the church here. We schedule family time. When did it become imperative or a command to have a, a, the, the Sabbath day? That didn't happen back in Genesis 1 where God took the seventh day for rest from his, his creation. That happened when? The law, yeah. Uh, Exodus 20, one of the Ten Commandments. That's when it became the law. Because man was now absorbed in the idea of having to work. It was no longer walking in, able to walk in the garden of, of a supplied uh, food supply, etc. And so God instituted this time together. Matter of fact, if you would look at me over in a Exodus chapter 20, I think we have it up here. This is from the Amplified Version. I like this because what it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your manservant or your maidservant or your domestic animals or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That's one of those religious words sometimes we don't know what it means, hallowed. We kind of skip over it because we don't really know what exactly means. Simply set it apart for his purposes. Well, what would God's purpose be for having a day set apart now that he used to have each day with, with, with his children in the Garden of Eden? So what would his idea be to set apart a day now? Fellowship. Yes, time with him, fellowship, to draw the bond, to have this closeness as, as a parent with their children. As we do that today, even in our schedules, at least we talk about it, family devotionals. Time set apart together. Family dinners. We used to have the boy family dinner at 6 o'clock each night. And that was sometimes hard to make. Because sure, we rush it back from the clinic. I'd, I'd make dinner, and the kids were, were playing games, uh, video games, and doing their homework, and getting everybody to come together. Even that was hard, even when the kids were little. But you had to plan it so that everybody would know. God says, I want my children. I want to love them, and I want you to, to love me back. And now that this sin has instituted the fact that we have to work every day, sun up to sun down. Matter of fact, this is for everybody. This is even for the animals. God said, I, I want this relationship with my children. I want this family time. I want to be together. For a lot of us, this might be a new idea because we thought of the Sabbath being a certain time, a certain place, and you'd ask, why? I don't know. When you look at things through the prism that God loves us and wants us to love him back, you, a lot of other things in, in the Old Testament and New Testament make much more sense than ever before. God wants to be with us. Well, okay. He wants us to love him back. Matter of fact, I get to a little exercise. The hallowed. What are other words in the Bible you, you just, you don't know what they mean, but you just sort of skip over them? <laughs> Sanctified. Yeah, that's another one. That's a good one. What else? <laughs> that would be a good one. <laughs> Righteousness. Righteousness can be. Yes? Is that still a law today, not work on Sunday? Well, we're going to get to that. Oh. Here, the second point is, is entitled, uh, What is the Sabbath rest today you know, for the Christian? Today? So thank you. Yes, absolutely. We, we want to talk about that here in just, just a moment. Um, how, how, what we're supposed to do with that. Is that you know traditional Jewish uh, approach of Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Uh, I experienced that uh, uh, very firsthand. I, I did not grow up uh, Jewish. I, I grew up uh, Protestant, actually. Um, and when I had my uh, automotive shop in New Jersey, uh, in Mawa, New Jersey, right over the New York line, 
Uh, I had a, a there's a, a Jewish community nearby, and one day their a vehicle broke down on a Friday, late in the afternoon, and I had the car in my shop, and and the uh, and the I guess the Hasidic Jews that were, were their car had broken down. They were very concerned that I could get the car fixed so they could get home by sundown. And that's something that people still hold to in a great way. And I'll even go as far as to say, if someone wants to practice the laws of Judaism and be a Christian too, you can do that. Uh, Paul speaks of that. He feels like it's a step backwards, but um, you still can do that. Matter of fact, matter of fact many of the, the first several years of Christianity, almost all Christians were Jewish. So Saturday, you were at the synagogue. And Sunday morning, the first day of the week, you met with the Christians early, for, usually probably before work or on the way to work. And then Peter and John would stay at the temple uh, during the three times of prayer, uh, morning, afternoon, and meeting, and Christians would come by through the day as they could. On the lunch, before church, after church, or after, uh, before work, after work, and they'd come by during that first day of the week especially, known as, as Lord's Day, is what it's first called. So, right, say anything that's helping you here today? Are you guys moving mm -hmm. here? I, I hope so. Uh, you, got, you got the worksheet here that you can work through and, and, and a little bit more. I hope that most of us will, will look through uh, a little bit more as, as, uh, in your own time. So yeah, there's some words. There's some other words that we could throw out that we just skip over quickly because we don't know exactly what they mean. We just sort of move on and not really define them. What they, hallow is a, a great one. Um, you know, set apart for his purposes. And then as you read the amplified version, I love how they put the, uh, you know, the, the brackets there. The, the, the things are implied but not actually written in, in the scripture. You get, get a full of color when you read Amplified. I, I like to read it uh, in my own personal studies and preparations for, for lessons. But God has set apart this time for him. Whereas we just read uh, Exodus 20 and just read the Ten Commandments, it's like, oh, set apart is it's hallowed. Okay, uh, whatever that means. Thinking that what's I just got to observe those twenty four hours and not do anything those twenty four hours to be pleasing to God somehow. See, I, I like to be someone who asks why. Why would God do that? That seems kind of strange. You just you, these twenty four hours you got to do this because I did it way back in Genesis one. You you got to do it too. Okay. Uh, let's see. You start telling me about a relationship with God and my time with Him because life is busy. Like ah, we do that in our own family. We schedule family times. I get it. That makes sense to me. See, when I understand that, it makes me want to follow God's ways even more. When I understand the reasoning that he would have behind it. Now we're going to stretch this out and kind of bring it into a, um, a more modern time for us. Matter of fact, at the, the, at the bottom of the, the worksheet I've got, where it says close, you know, click by, that's the timeline of the Sabbath, all the way back to creation of Genesis 1. And runs through that. I don't have a, a handout with that, but if you wanted to jot some down when you put that up there at the, at the end of the sermon, uh, or if you want to be able to take a picture of it, you certainly can do that as well. Uh, because you see what happens. Generally, I'll say this. There's a, as Christianity and the advent of Jesus, it's almost a restoration of Gardenic times. Not quite, but almost that idea. With the fulfillment of it being as we transition from this life to the next. But Jesus came and gave us a, a, a Sabbath's rest, God's rest. That was meant to be every single day. Mm -hmm. Not just one day, but every day of our lives. And that if we didn't fulfill whatever the God's rest is in our life, the idea of the Old Testament says you'll be cut off if you do not observe the Sabbath day. We'll be cut off if we do not have a, a Sabbath rest with the Lord. 
that may lead to a relationship with God. Even today, there's still times we will be cut off. We don't have a relationship with God. God's not asking for us to be religious minions. He's asking to have a relationship as a son or daughter with him. If we don't have that, there will be problems. So that mind, this, the second point, the last point here, is uh, what is a Sabbath rest today? And that gets back to what Rich is asking about uh, for today. Look over to Hebrews chapter 4. There's so much more on this today. I, I, I'm kind of giving just a few scriptures and, and hitting on a few uh, points. There's much deeper study on this. If, you, if you're interested, please, uh, on your personal study, examine this a little bit more. I'm going to have a little bit of a, a lengthy reading here. Not, not real long, but just a little bit maybe more than usual. But chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. It still stands that God wants us with him. Not just in that one 24-hour period, but every day. And now that can be done by the advent of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and the blood that was shed on the cross. Matter of fact, Jesus said over Matthew 5, later on that point, he makes the point, listen, I have not come to, to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That's much more than just 24 hours. If you still want to observe those 24 hours, you can, but this is meant that relationship with God every single day of your life. You have this inner peace and closeness and bonding with your Father that will give you this you know, Sabbath rest every day of your life. Because his burden is, his yoke is, yes. It goes off, it spins off in so many other studies you can have from this. Um, if, if you will. But in verse 2, we also have, um, have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the gospel they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we have believed and entered that rest just as God has said, so I declare an oath to you in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. He's re referring to a Psalm uh, 95 verse 11. The idea, even in the Old Testament, God was referring to the idea that rest with him was a relationship with him. And if you're messing up in that relationship, then there's problems. It says, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere, he has spoken about the seventh day. And, and, and these words, I think that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because he's referring to Jesus' one. <laughs> like, like, you don't know where that is. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of, of their disobedience. Don't let disobedience to, to this a relationship with God keep you from his rest in this life and life to come. It's like any relationship has issues and boundaries, does it not? As I've said many times, my wife, if I'm not willing to be a good husband and I step outside those boundaries of, of a marriage, what will happen to that relationship? It'll be severely impaired, if not ended. Therefore, God again um, set a certain day, calling it today. Ooh, that's an interesting point. When a long time later, he would do David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In fact, that hardness of heart again. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, not just as God did from his. Just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by uh, following their example of disobedience. Then it gets into verse 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even the divine soul and spirit, joints and right, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we're with God, his word, we have that kind of relationship we have with him, he's going to be protecting our heart. 
He gave us a ways of confession, of dealing with the attitude that needs to be cut out. God wants this relationship with us. And our responsibility is to say, you know what, I'm not going to be disobedient to this relationship. I will gladly surrender to, embrace, accept, whatever words you want to use, that relationship with God and his boundaries. You and I have to accept those boundaries of that relationship with God. And that's what you can get with somebody you know and study that and find out what does that mean. How does that begin? The Bible speaks of being married to God through Christ. What does that mean? How do I do that? How do I start that kind of relationship with God? So the idea of the Sabbath rest being a particular day of 24 hours, well, that served its purpose. And if you must, you still can follow it. But it's been made pretty clear through this scripture and many other scriptures that today as a Christian, we don't have a particular day to follow. Then why do we meet on Sundays? Well, that's the first day of the week, the beginning of the new week, the idea when they came to worship. But the Christians are supposed to worship every day, individually and together. So this day isn't the mandatory, you've got to do it on Sunday and only on Sunday. We're supposed to worship every single day. You look over to Romans 12 and the first couple of verses we talk about that. That you and I have this responsibility that I want this daily relationship with God. That's my Sabbath rest. I've got to be willing to enter that Sabbath rest. Enter that relationship. Enter the commitment of a relationship. Just like I did with my wife 30 years ago and put the rings on and say, I do. For better or for worse. Same with God, but even in a bigger way. I enter that Sabbath rest with him. That commitment, that relationship with my father. There's some great scriptures to go along with uh, the idea of Matthew 5.17 where Jesus said, and that's, that's, I believe the next picture I have up here. Uh, Jesus said, for the famous Sermon on the Mount, do not think that I have come to do away with or to undo the law and the prophets. I have come not to, to uh, do away with or undo, but to complete and fulfill mm -hmm. them. Yeah. He's come to complete a 24-hour period when we supposedly got close to God to all of our life is that Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's not taking away that idea. He said, I'm expanding it. I'm fulfilling it. And the fulfillment you will feel and the internal fulfillment from this relationship that now because sin's taken away and you no longer have to you figure out ways to have sin forgiven like the blood of an innocent animal and now the blood of, of innocent father or God, <clears throat> Jesus, has given you this opportunity to make this every day of your life. And that's a reflection back to God's intent in the garden. But so much more than because now God has died for our sins and shed his blood. Um, lastly, I have one more one final I want to close out with. This timeline of the Sabbath. The Shabbat or Shabbos. Uh, you know, God rested on the seventh day of his creation. And man would work and survive by the sweat of his brow. The Sabbath instituted as one of the Ten Commandments. The seriousness of observing the Sabbath. That's an amazing verse to look at in Exodus 31. Foreshadowing Judgment Day and concerning the relationship with God. Uh, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Uh, Jesus said he has come to fulfill the law. And Paul taught that the observance of a particular day and other religious actions were nailed to the cross. You know, fulfilled in Jesus' words, the Colossians 2 scripture. Entering God's rest is a, a righteous relationship with him in his life and for eternity. This would be a great study. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have this as a handout, but if you wanted to jot these down real fast or take a picture of it, please do because there's a great personal study here. Uh, the eternal Sabbath rest. Uh, and then a rest is, is found in God 
uh, through Jesus and the cross of Jesus, uh, the religious deeds of the life were nailed. This was done and is done so we can enjoy the eternal rest of a relationship with God. So as we uh, have the opportunity to take up the Lord's Supper, communion, it is a commitment, 1 Corinthians 11, we make to God in this relationship. We're committing ourselves to this, what it means to enter a Sabbath rest. So as we pass around the trays with the, with the, uh, the bread and the cup, you're taking up the body and blood of Jesus with an understanding and commitment. You're entering a Sabbath rest relationship with God forever. It starts in this life and is completed our death and transition into the next life. This is big. This is huge. This is the purpose he made it. This extends all the way back to the very first chapter of, of, of the scriptures, Genesis 1, that God created this world. And this rest he took, the idea, I'm asking my, my children to, that they must follow me in a particular day because now they have to work uh, for the, the living and for the food. But I'm going to get back to that where you no longer have that at, at a particular day, but it's every day, it's all day, all your life, and then for all eternity. Right. God wants this relationship with us desperately. That's why he made this to begin with. You say, well, why does he need to make children uh, from himself make children? Why does a husband and wife become one and from themselves make a child? We're made in his image, right? We have those feelings and desires because God has those feelings and desires. He wants to redeem us to that relationship and give us every way possible to have that relationship with him. He's done it through the years. He's doing it now. He wants that Sabbath rest because he wants us to have a, a, a burden and yoke in life that's easy. And he lives with it. <coughs> Internally, I can learn to live in peace in this life is first and foremost in that relationship with God. I entered his rest. You reconfirm that, that relationship you entered as you take of the, the cup and the bread, first Corinthians 11 scripture. Yeah. That I take this because I have this relationship. So as we take it, let's remember, I've entered his rest. God, thank you that you love us. You give us your word to study and follow. I pray many of us will take, have further personal studies about this idea of this rest you want with us. You can say, this is heaven. Yes. We've attributed many things to the idea of heaven. But you want us with you in this, this life and life to come. Thank you so much that you, you love us with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you want us to love you back that way. We could never match that amount of love, but the fact we're giving everything we have is what you ask. It's like a little child can, can only give so much. They can't give us things, but they can give us their love. And that's what you want with us, God. Help us remember that as we take up this, this bread and this cup. We commit ourselves to end your Sabbath. Thank you.